Our scripture text this morning found in the New Testament, book of John, the 10th chapter, and the first 10 verses. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Before I get started, I I meant to do this earlier, but uh, if you've noticed that the my laugh seems to be tripled here. It's because uh, a lot of my family is here in the second row. <laughs> my brother Daryl and my sister-in-law Norma and Andy, their son, and Dustin, my nephew, is uh, uh, here from Texas, and my sister is here as well. Go ahead and wave, you guys. Let them know who you are. <laughs> uh, it's great to have them here. It's good to see uh, everyone. The whole family is getting together later on in the week, so I think my my other brother from Washington is going to be here next week if he can get up at 10. I think that's going to be the deciding factor, but it's, it's always great to have my family with me. You know, another thing that I meant to bring up and, and I meant to put in the bulletin is that uh, I want to share with you my father is going through uh, preparations to go on dialysis for his... Uh, he's having some kidney issues, and they've just done the surgery to put the, the port in. What do they call that, sis? A fissula. Uh, so they've put a fissula in his arm, and they're going to wait. He's not going on dialysis yet, but he will be at some point. So I invite you to please be with me in prayer for my, my father and, uh, and my mother, too, who's <coughs> rather worried about it. So Now let us turn to this text about John, about, about Jesus in John. Jesus, who describes himself here as the gatekeeper and the gate at various times, and describes the people of God as sheep. And in this story, there's also a thief and a robber who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
When I was young, my family and I, we used to go for usually around Thanksgiving, we would go to Uncle Bob's farm in Iowa. I have an Uncle Bob who was, uh, who was a farmer in Iowa. And, I mean, the real deal. He had cattle, they grazed corn, they had chickens, they had pigs. They had a lot of pigs. That was kind of the main thing. And I remember uh, I was wandering around with Uncle Bob uh, looking at the farm, looking at things, and we were at the pig pen and uh, I said, Uncle Bob, what's, what's that pig's name? And he said to me, never name a pig you plan to eat. <laughs> it doesn't have a name, Curtis. Because <laughs> next week we'll be enjoying that pig. <laughs> and it's clear in this story that the sheep of the fold all are not just a commodity to be used and eaten and taken in that way. The gatekeeper who knows them, clearly knows their name, calls them by name. Uh, He takes them out of the pen and into the freedom of the pasture. The thief in the story, by contrast, sees the sheep as something to be used, as something to be destroyed, as something to be, as a commodity for his own purposes. You know, in the ancient world, robbery was a constant problem. A thief could easily uh, cut a hole in your tent or even dig through the side of your house. You know, they had this, this mud walls and a, a thief could just dig through your house and take all of your stuff out of there. Bandits, bandits on the road, they would just beat the crud out of you and take your stuff there when you were isolated. Uh, think of the Good Samaritan story where that happened. And it was, a, it was a difficult thing. And the thief's only purpose is to take what he can and use it for his own purposes. And in the time of Christ, and when John was writing, it was likely that the thief they had in mind were all of the religious elites. Uh, Jesus faced this problem and faced it square on of the abuses of those who ran the temple. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are d- described in in uh, the Bible. These are people who were appointed those positions because they, they, were, be, they, were, they were beheld by Rome. They, Rome owed them something. Kind of like ambassadorships are handed out to people who support politicians today. And the Pharisees of Jesus' day and the Roman occupiers who put them in power, these were bleeding the people dry and they were being deprived of life and couldn't imagine an abundant life. But Jesus says here, no, wait a minute, no. I'm not here to deprive the sheep. I'm here to give them sanctuary. I'm here to give them freedom. I'm here to give them pasture. I'm here to protect them from the thieves and the robbers, that they might have, not that they would feed me, but that they might have life and have it to the full, have it to abundance. Jesus says to us that this gatekeeper calls to the sheep by name and they know His voice. Again, by contrast, the thief doesn't call them by name, nor do the sheep follow because they do not know them. It's a big deal to know somebody's name, isn't it? Knowing someone makes a huge difference in how you look at them, how you treat them. Uh, I, you know, I've noticed since the, in, since the invention of email, it seems a lot easier to say mean things over email than it does to look someone in the face and say harsh things. Have you gotten emails like that? 
people's and and it's clear that they don't go back and edit them you know think about it i've i've taken up a when i'm angry i try to sit on an email for, i write it you know which is a good exercise too i write the nasty email but then i wait to hit send for a little while it's a very different thing to look someone in the eye and speak hateful things to them or speak ill to them to know a person to know their name to call them by name is a very important part of relationship. It's an important part of uh, a full and abundant life. I used, to, I used to be a part of a church. One church I had been in. There were, and there was a big fight over which region we were going to be a part of. Uh, the one that had a statement condemning ho- homosexuality and was prohibiting the inclusion of the LGTB community, or the one that had no sh- such statement nor ambitions. And I know that this church went through this same decision at one point. Uh, but the church I was a part of, the debate got so ugly so quickly, and the two sides were just warring at each other, heavily warring. Uh, they were each on a crusade on both sides, and it got so ugly. And in the middle of this, a woman in the congregation shared with me that she was a lesbian. Now, this wasn't just any woman. This was what we call in the biz a pillar of the church. A person whose faith and commitment to Jesus Christ I would stack up against anyone in that congregation or any congregation. And every meeting I went to where people would stand up and say the most vile things and would, they would talk about not wanting their children around gay people and other fear-born, awful, hateful things. I wanted so badly to stand up and say, do you know who you're talking about? Do you know who it is you are talking about? And I wanted to, to say the name. You're talking about this person right here. Someone you have loved. Someone you have admired. Someone whose faith and commitment you trust. Someone who has taught your children and loved your children and loves Christ and loves others. That's who you're talking about. And I guarantee you it would have been a lot harder for those good folks to say such vile things to this person's face. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm aware that people have the capacity to do that. But I think it's a lot harder when you have a relationship with someone. It makes a huge difference. I think Jesus is trying to get at that when He says the gatekeeper calls them by name and the thief doesn't know them. And the sheep do not know the thief, but knows the gatekeeper. And I have to say, there are a lot of voices calling out there, aren't there? There's a lot of voices calling your name out there or calling to you. Everyone wants you to buy this product. Support this cause. Give them a minute of your time. Give them your money. Etc., etc., etc. How many times a day do you feel like somehow you're being ripped off? Because I know I do. Several times a day. Um, the remarkable thing is that, that I notice too is that marketers do seem to know me so well this is the this is the insidious thing is that they've gotten so good at this at marketing to me as if they really know me for example my, when i go on facebook 
advertisements for, for ties pop up. Now, how do they know I like ties? Or, or, or coupons for the meatball sandwich at Subway. Now, how do they know I like meatball sandwiches? Or sushi. You know, how do they know I eat sushi? I mean, that's a pretty niche market, right? How do they know that about me? It makes me a little, it creeps me out a little bit, I gotta say, even as I'm ordering a new tie. Or ads for religious books. How do they know that I have, I want, I write, I, you know, I purchase religious books. Yet they are not like the gatekeeper. They're not, their goal is not to know me and to provide for my safety or to give me pasture or to give me freedom. They don't really know me. These voices so often are viewing people only as a commodity. The sum of one's worth is only that they are one more buyer, one more vote, one more person on their side, one more donation, one more person to do the work I don't want to do. It's like the world is one big pyramid scheme sometimes. And even when people feel like they are doing something meaningful, it can still feel like I'm being taken for a ride somehow. You wouldn't believe how many times I get people soliciting the church with some new revolutionary program that will transform our church and then, and then they try to trick me into buying it by sending it to me for one of those trials. You know, just send it back in ten days. And uh, I, They know that I can't remember to do that. I can barely remember to tie my shoes. One time I, uh, there was this ministry that wanted to have ten minutes of our worship time to promote their ministry that was, again, it's, it's revolutionary and surely we would want to support it. After all, we're Christians, right? And, I, and, and, they, and they said that, you know, we, we have a part of our ministries, we pray for every church in the, in the valley uh, once a year. So they had us on a calendar. Once a year they would pray for us. Well, I appreciate it. And I, and I said, well, what do, you, what do you pray for? And they told me, and it was, it was pretty generic. And I said, well, you know, that's great. I said, well, uh, you know, do you know anything about this church? I asked them, well, you know, what do you know about us? What, what do you know about the ministries we do? What do you know about the people in this church? And you know what they knew? Absolutely nothing. They didn't know anything about this church. I mean, I appreciate the prayer, but... You know, we do, this is what I told them. I said one of our core values was ministry in the context of community and relationship. And that they had no relationship with this church. And they seemingly had no interest in a relationship with this church. And they did not get 10 minutes of your time (laughs) at this church. And it is that relationship that I think makes all the difference in the world. Jesus relates to us not as a number, not as a commodity. You know, do you think Jesus sits up there and keeps a tally of how many people we have talked into following Him? Oh, there goes another one. Hallelujah. My stats are looking good. You think Jesus says that? Oh, hey, things are looking good. Christianity's on the rise. I don't think Jesus counts uh, on any of that. uh, Or gauges Jesus' self-worth on the popularity of His church. I think Jesus takes those who want to be loved by Him and He protects them and He cares for them and He gives them pasture. Jesus cares not for those other things. What makes the difference between Jesus and the thief is that Jesus' only care is the well-being and freedom of the sheep. 
The thief cares about the thief and comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Whoever comes through the gate will be saved and the one and that one will go out and come in and find pasture. What Jesus is talking about here is freedom. Real freedom. Not freedom like the world offers. Not freedom like the thief is trying to sell us. Not an I'll wash your back, you wash mine kind of freedom. Real freedom that allows the human heart to soar and become that which God created us to be. Real freedom is different than the bill of goods we're sold in the world we live in today. The world will tell you that freedom is found by having more money and more stuff. The kingdom of God says freedom is in not caring about money and stuff. The world says freedom is in affluence and influence. The kingdom of God says freedom is found in seeking the things of God first. The world says freedom comes at the point of a gun. The kingdom of God says freedom comes through loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. The world says freedom comes from getting all you can as fast as you can for you and yours and to heck with everybody else. And the kingdom of God says freedom is found in seeing all people as God's beloved children. The world says freedom is the privilege of the few at the expense of the freedom of the many. The kingdom of God says freedom is only really freedom when it is given to everybody. You can say amen once in a while. It's not going <laughs> to hurt anything. The world will tell you that everything is doomed and that freedom only comes in an apocalyptic end of the world and the return of Christ in judgment. The kingdom of God says, and I'm quoting Paul here in Galatians, for freedom's sake you have been set free. We have everything we need to live into the kind of life Jesus promised here and now. Problem is we have freedom to choose to do it or not. Freedom's a two-edged sword, isn't it? The freedom to do it. And we have the community and the voice of the gatekeeper to guide us and to point us in the right direction and to give us pasture and to protect us from all those voices and from, from the thief who comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. I invite you. No, I implore you to listen to the voice of the One who is able to do imaginably more than we could ever dream and believe that all God does, all God points us to, all God has for us, ultimately is for our own sake, given out of love, that God's only care is our freedom, and our full and abundant life. Mine, yours, and everybody's. Where else would you put your faith? What other voice would you want to listen to? Let us pray. Loving God, we hear Your voice, but sometimes it sounds so faint against the din of so many other voices. Help us. Help us to hear You and to choose a life of freedom 
to choose a life that invites us to follow You and be a part of Your pasture, knowing that there we would experience real relationship with the Creator of the universe and with all people around us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.